Welcome to the Dollars and Hops podcast, where we help you optimize your financial future. Here are your hosts, Scott and Lance. Welcome back to the Dollars and Hops podcast. Man, we are excited that you decided to join us here where we help you optimize your financial future. My name is Lance, and I'm your host, and I have with me uh, my prestigious, my very prestigious host, my co-host, Scott, up in Maryland. What's going on, brother? How are you? I am doing well, Lance. Weather's warming up here. We got spring, and I was out on the back deck working. It was awesome, and I am excited for this episode because we actually are bringing on our first guest and uh, Lance, you want to introduce him? Yeah, this is, uh, it's just, I feel like this is a monumental moment for us and for my buddy Matt here, because I think this is definitely our first time hosting anybody on our podcast. It's just been me and Scott slinging this thing out week in, week out. And, uh, and then this is the first time we get to open the doors to the, to the crazy and uh, let somebody else in on what's going on here. But yeah, so we... Hey, he's, he's, not, he's not crazy, Lance. Come on. No, no, we're, we're the crazies. Yeah, let me clarify <laughs> that. We're definitely the crazies. He's bringing the sanity to the room. Uh, but yeah, with me here, uh, I have my, my friendly neighbor, my buddy, Matt, also known as uh, the friendly neighborhood tax guy. Uh, he's CPA. He's uh, just, just a good buddy. And uh, yeah, so we, you know... Uh, Matt's here joining us live here on this recording. And, you know, we were on a family walk. Our families were all walking together the other day, and and he's dropping all kinds of knowledge and gems and Easter eggs on me. And I'm just like, dude, what are you talking? You actually read this tax bill? And uh, finally, it's like, dude, you got to come on the podcast. And he was a little hesitant at first, understandably, but uh, eventually he he agreed to all of uh, you know, to all of our benefit, he decided to to come on and help us out, help us with a bunch of tax questions we got for him. But without further ado, Matt, the friendly neighborhood tax guy, is here joining us on the Dollars and Hops podcast. Matt, welcome, welcome. Thank you, guys. You guys are too kind. Uh, really enjoy the show. I've told Lance earlier. I've listened to every episode. So a big fan, and uh, I've asked a couple questions myself that you guys have answered. So yeah. Excited to be your first guest. Honored and uh, a little nervous. So. Man, well, it's in the his- it's in the history books now, Matt. I mean, it's 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 done. And I'll say, Matt is our biggest fan and our probably our only fan, Scott. So that's it, it's kind of like a double win. At least, at least only- three people listen. That's that's fantastic. And you know what I you know I'm what not- I'm most excited about is like like Lance and I were talking about like oh we're gonna have a guest. This is awesome. Like how are we gonna do this? Well, we should probably. We should probably get his opinion on some beer too. So, <laughs> no doubt. So I think no I doubt. think he's going to knock the tax part of the episode out of the park. But the beer, let's see, let's see how he does here. So for those of you that do not know, Lance and I and Matt in this case also will will uh, join us, and we will uh, be sipping on a craft brew. Uh, at the end of the episode, we put the beers head to head and we establish a winner. And it's not really head to head. This is this is going to be a three way competition tonight. So, Oof. Matt, I want to start off with you. What are you sipping on tonight? All right, I am sipping on a Revelry Brewing Marsh Hen Cream Ale. Uh, Revelry Brewing is my favorite brewery here in Charleston. Uh, they got a nice rooftop area, uh, so love chilling up there yeah. after work sometimes and, and having a good one. So. 
Nice, nice. And uh, what's what's the brew you got from them today? It's a it's a cream ale. The cream ale. Marsh hen cream ale. Marsh hen cream ale. Is that like a is it like a lager? What is it? Is um, it's a cream it's ale. ale. It's an American <laughs> ale. <laughs> It's a cream ale, Lance. Shut up. That's good. That's awesome. Lance, what are you sipping on tonight? So uh, Matt was was kind enough and and a great buddy and actually brought me a beer. This is the kind of guy Matt is, you know, the friendly neighborhood tax guy. When he comes on your podcast, you know, to give you some advice and some guidance, uh, you don't give him beer. He brings you a beer. And so Matt, Matt actually brought the beer. This is a beer gifted to the podcast from Matt, our friendly neighborhood tax guy. And this is from Revelry Brewing. Also, this is up Shem Creek. Shem Creek is a uh, local little creek here down in the Mount Pleasant area. I love that name, up Shem Creek. Uh, it's out of Charleston, South Carolina. And this appears to be, um, I think you said it was an India Pale Lager. Lager. IPL. IPL, India Pale hmm. Lager. That this would be for sure the first lager that um that I've tasted on the podcast. I think it's definitely out of my comfort box. Thank you to Matt for pushing me out of my comfort zone, <laughs> helping me grow in new areas all the time. Thank you. Uh Scott, what are you working with this evening? So since we're talking about taxes tonight, Lance, I decided to go for a Pilsner which has also not been featured on the podcast a little bit later. So this one's from nice. Cinderland's Beer Company out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is called Tracks Again. actually went there with my wife a couple weeks ago to check out Pittsburgh and stopped nice. in and grabbed this beer. So excited to sip on it tonight. Love that. How does that relate to, how does a Pilsner relate to tax? I'm just curious. So my thought process, and thank you for asking, my <laughs> thought process is, I need something light because we're going to be talking about taxes. My brain, man, that's you know, good. we're talking about IRS. We're talking about taxes, tax code. That's true. I mean, if I had to do my own taxes, I would definitely need to be drinking Pilsner or, or <laughs> no beer at all because I don't think I could get through it. You, so you want that Imperial coffee stout from a couple of weeks ago, the, the diesel. The no 10 fuel. ABVs. This thing's like a four point something, <laughs> which is, you know, it's basically like a Miller Lite here. I'm drinking. So I'm, I'm going to try to nice. keep up with our boy, Matt. So very good. Lance, let's hop right into the headline of the week. This one reads, the IRS wants to know all about your Bitcoin holdings. And this court summons is a reminder. So I yeah. found this off of MarketWatch uh, today, actually. And the IRS basically issued a summons to a company called Circle. It's a Boston-based financial technology company that basically allows you to trade different types of cryptocurrency. So they wanted to know from Circle all about the account registrations. So they want to know who's signing up to trade cryptocurrency, and then they want the data behind the trade. So they actually want to know all the way back from 2016 through 2020, who's made money trading cryptocurrency? And what I found interesting is as I got into this article, it mentioned that there was one person who had an account with Circle who had $1.6 million in earnings that they never reported to the IRS oh, until the summons goodness. came. So if you're out there and you think <clears throat> that you're going to get by the IRS... 
with your cryptocurrency profits, you might want to think again. The IRS one, is out 1. there. 1.6 million in earnings. In earnings off of crypto. So, oh. yeah, don't don't try to slide it by the IRS. They're going to come get you. It's not worth it. It's not worth it at all. Mm. And and the IRS, they're, they're treating cryptocurrency as property. So when it's sold for a profit, there's capital gains taxes that have to be paid. So bottom line, make sure you report this income. I wonder if those short-term and long-term rules apply. They do. They do. Yep. Man, that's so interesting. So, you, I mean, Matt, you could go to jail for something like that, right? Uh, for one, for that big of an amount? I mean, I guess it's possible. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's good guidance, Scott. We don't, we, yeah, you don't, you don't ever want to try to s- slip one on the uh, the old IRS. No, and I think a lot no. of people are kind of, are kind of trading this, so it's like short-term capital gains, which I think can be a, a much higher rate than a long-term capital gain. So that that would be a, at your tax rate, right? Short-term capital gains. Yep, it'd be your ordinary rate. And then one interesting thing about Bitcoin I saw is that Tesla is now accepting it to buy a car, oh, which man. people doing that think it's that. just like cash. But when you go and buy a car for forty grand and you've got a twenty grand gain on it, you're leaving out the tax you have to pay when you go you know buy the car for 40 grand so oh uh, man it's a it's it can I be a big think hit. about that uh, <laughs> yeah that's a that's man. a great point so that's not like just cash right. when you're buying stuff with it you have to calculate the gain as well yeah <laughs> man wild stuff all right he's already blown my mind lance let's go ahead and yeah. get right into it well, this is going to be an interview with matt our friendly neighborhood tax guy before we get into it i do want to say a small disclaimer this is not this is not official legal or tax advice this is for entertainment purposes only please contact your own cpa for legal and tax advice that's specific to your own situation and these are really just simply ideas and questions to start getting you thinking about your personal financial situation so matt beautiful that was i want beautifully to, read i love that <laughs> <laughs> so Matt, I would love to uh to find out just to get a little bit of background on you and kind of uh kind of what what you what your background is and how how you are the tax guy uh of, of the neighborhood here. <laughs> uh so I went to the University of South Carolina for undergrad and uh one year masters in accounting uh with specialization in tax. Uh, and then I went after that, I went to work for a public accounting firm uh, and, and did taxes for individuals and partnerships and uh, all kind of businesses. Um, so I, I got a lot of experience, a lot of broad experience there. Um, worked a ton of crazy hours during tax season oh, uh, that I never want to do again. Gosh. If I can avoid it. Uh, and then about five and a half years ago, uh, I got a job offer down here in Charleston at a private equity firm, um, and they own a variety of different businesses in all kinds of different industries. Um, so I get to see a broad swath of businesses, and I only do business tax now, um, which is great because I like that a lot more than the individual <laughs> side. But tonight, we were talking about the individual side, so I'll, I'll, I'll try not to mess we're that up. We're dragging you back in the mud uh, here. But that's all right. Uh, I stay up on it for my own return and then some family members returns that I help out with. But uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of my background in tax. Um, so. I got to ask how, like what led you to wanting to study the tax code? 
Oh man, does anybody want to study the tax code? Is the question. <laughs> um, let's see. So I went to South Carolina to be an international business major, and about two years into my German class, I realized I had made a huge mistake, and German was not for me. Uh, so I just <laughs> I looked around and said, "Well, my accounting classes are the ones I'm doing the best in, and I seem to like it, so I'll I'll go with that." And so that's kind of how I stumbled upon accounting. Um, but then I really do I. I really enjoy tax. Um, it's fun to dig into the rules and try to save people money, um, save companies money that you work for yeah. or save individuals money and really help people out. It's, you know, you guys talk about your podcast, you want to help people out and you get to see the joy when you do that. And it's fun to be able to save people money. That's cool. So. I love hearing, I love hearing you talk about the why behind, you know, what you do for a living and actually being able to save money and have an impact in that way. And help and really helping people is what it comes down to. I love that. That's that's really cool, Matt. And it almost sounds like it's like a game. It's a little bit of a game, right? Like you're trying to find There's the way that's that way to save the most money that maybe not everyone would see, right? Exactly. Yeah. Legally, uh, when these new bills come out and the reg packages come out, that's what the team I work on we're doing is we're reading through these rules and we're trying to figure out how our businesses can legally save the most amount of money that we can. It's awesome. I want to talk about the stimulus. So the recently passed stimulus by the Biden administration. So I I, I kind of want to know, so like, A, who who qualifies for it up front? Like who's who's the who are the people that are actually getting the checks and like what what is there to know behind that? Like is there any sort of is it is it kind of a cut and dry rule of of income level or are there other things that our listeners should be uh, taking into account when it comes to the tax law? No, that's a great question. Um, one thing that you'll learn in tax is that nothing is cut and dry. Uh, the best answer that any tax advisor can give is it depends because it always depends on uh, the personal financial <laughs> situation. Uh, so we use that one a lot. Um, but yeah, my brother-in-law calls these the Biden bucks since the Biden administration was the one that passed this. Wow. Um, but yeah, uh, the Biden bucks, it's basically to qualify for that, you need to have a social security number. Um, and then you, any adult that has a social security number and dependent child that can be claimed on a tax return is going to qualify for $1,400 each. So if you know, if you're married and then you have two kids, that'd be, you know, $1,400 times four that you would get on your tax return. Um, but there are income limits to get this. Uh, and, and these income limits are um, pretty important. So if you're a single tax filer, the, the phase out threshold starts at $75,000. And then once you hit $80,000 of income, you don't get it anymore. So it's a really small window you for get nothing single after filers. 80. Get nothing after 80. Yeah. Uh, you could have 10 kids and it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you make 81,000, you're, you're done. You wow. get nothing. Single person. Single. And then for married, if you file jointly, um, the phase out starts at $150,000 and it stops at 160. So once you're over 160, you don't get anything. Um, so uh, that's a little different than the stimulus bills in 2020 that tr the Trump administration had passed. Um, these phase outs are much quicker and it doesn't matter in the Trump ones, the more kids you have, the longer it took to phase out. That's not the case with the Biden ones. These are hard caps. So once you get to 80 and once you get to the 160, you don't get anything. 
Very interesting. Mm. So are the, so you mentioned for the children, I think you said it was 1400 per child. Yes. Now that's a tax credit you said? Yes. So these are, it's a 2021 tax credit. So this will go on your 2021 tax return. But then what they've done is they've done what they call an advance payment where they have sent out this stimulus rebate in advance. And they're doing that based on if you qualified in your 2019 return or your 2020 return based on what they had on file at the time the bill was passed. Um, So if you qualified in 2020 based on your 2020 income, then they would have sent you a check in advance. And if you got it in advance, then when you go to file your 2021 return, you will not get the credit then because you've already gotten the money. Um, But let's say you did not qualify in 2020, but you do qualify in 2021, you will then get all the stimulus money when you file your 21 tax return. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And then Lance, you were telling me about something about it being refundable. How how does that, and you were, you were trying to explain that to me. It kind of flew over my head. (laughs) What what does that mean? I'm going to try. So I'm going to try and explain you know, Matt's, Matt's here. He's our expert. So I'm going to, I'm going to toss this over to him. Um, but I believe the child tax credit of old, um, you get a certain amount of dollars as a credit back of the taxes that you would owe. And if you had more kids than, and the credits add up, then what that would be more than what the taxes you owe, you don't get any additional dollars back, even though maybe technically you'd be due them because it's the child tax credit, because it's non-refundable. But if a tax credit is is refundable, then even if you don't owe that much in taxes to get that refund back, if it is refundable, you still get that tax refund, even though you don't owe that much in taxes. I hope I probably butchered the junk out of that, but Matt, maybe you could explain that better for me. No, you, you got it perfect. You got the you got the main gist. So basically, example would be is if you owed five thousand dollars, but you had three kids, so you had a six thousand dollar child tax credit you would get the full 6000 so you would actually get $1000 of cash back even though you only owed 5000 whereas if it's non-refundable you would only get the credit up to the 5000 you owed and you wouldn't get any additional money back and it would not carry over into into other years Correct. because so we've adopted a couple of kids i think most of our listeners know that i probably talk about that it feels like every episode and i only bring it up because it's relevant because the child adoption tax credit is significant. I think this year, at least last year, we'll say last year was um, over $14,000 and it was non-refundable. So you had to at least pay that much in taxes. Uh, But let's say you didn't pay enough in taxes to get the full 14,000, whatever it is. Then the difference, let's say you can only get maybe 10,000 back. um, The additional 4,000 plus would be carried over into the following year. Yeah, the adoption credit, I believe, carries over for five years. Five years. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, super interesting. So there are some credits that would carry forward, but then others that would Others not. that would not. And so what we're saying now, to bring it back to the current situation, is that the child tax credit that we've always known in our country here in our tax law has been non-refundable. 
Yes, I think it's been partially refundable based on some formula. Okay. Um, but yes, not fully refundable for sure. Not fully refundable, but now the new tax credit is higher? Yes, so we're actually moving into a different uh, section here uh, past the stimulus payments. But yes, so part of this okay. bill also, they passed an expanded child tax credit. So before, it was a $2,000 per qualifying child that was under 17. Uh, and now it is a $3,000 credit per child under the age of 18. So if you're 17, they kicked you in this year. Oh, wow. And then also, if you have children under the age of six, it's $3,600 per kid. So they've really, you know, kind of sweetened the pot for guys like Lance to have nine kids under <laughs> six. Uh, really, uh, you know, it, it becomes quite lucrative. But now we know why Lance has all those children. Uh, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, between the 1400 per kid on the finally stimulus. Paid and off. Then the <laughs> finally paid off. I knew, it was, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Thank you, Biden. Thank you, President Biden. Between the uh, 1400 per kid for stimulus and the 3600 per kid for uh child tax credit you know lance is making bank this year so, so i actually <laughs> did not know it was the 1400 plus the 3600 mm -hmm. per kid yeah that's that's where it it, it it honestly is so complex and so confusing that it makes me want it just like it, it makes you ask so many questions like how could anybody figure this out and like know that this was all out there and i guess that's why we always say like hey seek out a tax professional to make sure that you're getting every dollar that's owed to you that's, you know, that's within the confines of the law to make sure that you're getting what you're owed. Yep. But man, Lance, I want to, I want to ask two questions here. So unemployment income changes and student loan forgiveness, student loan forgiveness is like all over the news right now. Yep. So, but first, Regarding unemployment income changes, what what do our listeners need to know there? Yeah, so this is a great question. So in 2020, um, well, typically unemployment income is taxable uh, income, just like any other. If you worked a job and worked a, and got a W-2, it would be taxable. If you got unemployment, it's typically taxable. But what Congress did in this bill is with with COVID, they knew way more people than normal were on unemployment and they knew that hard times had come on a lot of families and people in the country. So they wanted to help people out some more. And basically, if your income was under 150000 then you can exclude $10,200 from of unemployment income and not count that as taxable income. Uh, so that that was new. That's really cool. Yeah, that was new in this bill. Um, if you're married, you each spouse can exclude $10,200. Um, the real key wow. here is your AGI, so your adjusted gross income, has to be under 150000 to be able to exclude this. If you're a dollar over 150000 you have to count every bit of the unemployment income in your income. Wow. So there, there can be mm. some real strategies really around all three of the things we've talked about so far uh, about getting your income down below that 150 level uh, to get to get these advantages. Um, but this unemployment one specifically, if you're at 149,999, you could exclude all the 10,200. But if you're a dollar over, you lose it. All of it wow. is taxable. And this is crucial, Matt. Thank you for bringing that up because here we are. So we are recording this on the Monday night of April 5th, right? National Championship Games coming on here in a little bit. But uh, it's still early in the, in the tax year. And so I, I think it's important for our listeners, for, for Scott, for me, for everybody listening here, you have your own family situation, your own income situation. 
to at least know the rules of the game, to know the rules of what you're, what's coming up so that, and we're going to get to this next segment where we're going to talk about different ways to strategize to, to, you know, minimize your tax burden and still be 100% legal, of course. But I think just to know the rules that if, hey, if you're over 150000 as a married couple filing jointly or 80000 I think it was, um, you know, we've got, y- you might want to be strategically looking at something right now on how you could reduce your modified adjusted gross income. And so what I'd like to ask you now, Matt, is like, what is modified adjusted gross income? Uh, you know, what does that include? What doesn't that include? That's a that's a great question, and again, I answer with it depends. Uh, <laughs> there is about six or seven different uses of modified adjusted gross income. Wow! So you have to be really careful when an article says MAGI or modified adjusted gross income because the there's a bunch of different places in the code that reference it, and they all mean different things. <laughs> Fascinating! I did not know that. So for our for our case wow. tonight, or for the main the main purpose is it's it, it, and I'm leaving out some very specific things, but the the main uh, goal of this is basically it's going to be any income you make, and then you're going to take out your retirement contributions, traditional, not Roth, um, and then your HSA contributions uh, are going to come out of that. Um, so that for the for the for the three that we're talking about tonight, that those are going to be the main ways that we can reduce our income uh, down below these thresholds is through traditional IRAs, traditional four hundred one ks, and then HSA contributions. Man, that's big. So so translation, anybody who's listening is like, ooh, you know, I might be on the cusp of that, and I didn't qualify for. I'm I'm painting a scenario here, maybe for one of our listeners. Maybe you didn't qualify for any stimulus last year. And you're thinking, hey, and you got a bunch of kids under the age of six, like I do. <laughs> and it's like, uh, I, I guess I'm not qualifying for any stimulus. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, how's your year going so far? Are you on track to make $150,000? Are you on track to make $160,000, $170,000? And maybe you're not contributing anything to your retirement to a traditional 401k. Or you you have an HSA plan, but you're not contributing anything to it. What Matt just told us is that if you contribute to a traditional 401k plan and an HSA plan and max all that out, there's a very good chance, depending on what you make, of course, depending on your situation, but you could reduce your adjusted gross income to be below those thresholds to now take part in those benefits, that take part in those stimulus payments, those additional child tax credits that are now refundable, the stimulus payments per person, these are crucial rules that you just need to know. And if if we weren't on a walk the other day and Matt didn't tell me this, I would have had no idea and would have been going along my merry way following my own little strategy that I had been planning out for my family and not knowing any of this that was on the table. And I'm talking, just so y'all know, it's for me, it's tens of thousands of dollars of difference is what we're talking about. And who knows it, however it plays out at the end of the year, you do the best you can. We're not saying that you need to do any drastic extreme changes to your situation. But when you're talking about tens of thousands of dollars, I mean, normally I would be of the camp that says, hey, I'm not going to change my life drastically based on tax law. You know, I'm, I mean, it, that's like to save a few hundred bucks or even maybe a few thousand dollars. I'm not going to let the government kind of rule and control my life and tell me how to live. But when we're talking about tens of thousands of dollars, um, I think it's it's even more important for us all of our listeners to know, know the rules, know the rules of the game. 
Is that fair? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair, Lance. And like when I think about this, like modified adjuster gross and magi or whatever the heck we want to call it, <laughs> it like it, it it gets so complicated. But this is what I think matters. Let's say you make eighty thousand dollars a year. If you contribute to your 401k, you can contribute up to $19,000 in your 401k this year, okay? So 19,000 is coming off the 80. Let's say you also max out your HSA account or let's just say you put 3 grand in there. So you're up to 22,000. Then you add to an IRA, maybe another 3 grand. You have 25,000 off of that 80 before you pay the IRS anything. So you're taking the 80 off of, or you're taking the 25 off of 80,000. And then whatever's left over is what you pay taxes on instead of paying taxes on the 80. So that's why this is so important. Like so many people mm -hmm. think about this as like, oh, I'm trying to save a few bucks, but it's like, hey, listen, if you have money in a brokerage account and you haven't maxed out your 401k or your HSA or your traditional IRA, Maybe you need to think twice about that because the money that you put into that 401k or that IRA wouldn't be taxed. But if you put it into a brokerage account, it will be taxed. So that that to me is kind of eye opening. I think there's a lot of people out there that are probably not maxing out their 401k and they might have a little pot of money over on Robinhood or wherever they're doing brokerage investments. And maybe it would be better if they put that money into an IRA or a 401k because they would get a tax savings up or front. HSA. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's great. Especially this year with, with those phase outs. Like in your example, if you're at 80, even if you just put 5,000 in a traditional IRA and got down to 75, then you're talking about you get that 1,400 now where you didn't at 80. So you put in five and you get 1,400 back. can't beat that ROI. That's a pretty sweet deal. You cannot beat that ROI. Wow. Like everything's fact specific, but uh, yeah. yeah, this year is a year that if you're near these thresholds, you want to pay really close attention to, am I contributing to an IRA, a 401k, and HSA? Interesting thing that not everyone knows about uh, IRAs and HSAs is you actually have until April 15th of the following year to mm -hmm. contribute. So if you get to December 31st and you realize, oh man, I messed up, I made 160000 I don't get any of these stimulus payments anymore, what can I do? Well, it's actually not too late. You can still contribute uh, for 2021, even though it's 2022, uh, you can contribute in the IRA and the HSA and get your income down and still get those stimulus. That's huge. Credit. Wow. Um, and if you got a good tax guy, great strategy. You know that. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> and and same thing with this unemployment. Uh, right. This it's just for 2020 that they're allowing this ten thousand two hundred dollar exclusion. But if you're over that limit, you have until May 17th to contribute to an IRA or HSA to get under those limits and to get to exclude that right. from your income. So um, another month. Yeah, so you got a month extra thanks to the IRS extension. But Wow. I think one thing I left out too on the child tax credit, that expansion is only for 2021. So it goes back to 2000 per kid after 2021, for now at least. Hmm. Okay. I wanted to ask, what are some of the biggest mistakes because it sounds like you used to prepare a lot of individual tax returns, a lot of late nights, I'm <laughs> sure. What are some of the biggest mistakes that people uh, have or do when they're filing their own taxes or 
or, you know, maybe, maybe you saw some previous returns before they hired you back when you were, you know, doing their, their individual tax returns. Yeah. I would say, especially if someone had like a business or a schedule C or a rental, uh, it would be deducting things that weren't really business expenses or taking losses that they really weren't allowed to take, especially around rentals. There's some really specific rules around rental properties when you have losses, if you're allowed to take those losses. And a lot of people mess that up. I bored you guys to death. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, (laughs) I will say this, you know, um, Matt was gracious enough to come on here to, to give us all of this. And and I kind of wondered, I was like, man, it's going to be a lot of tax talk. It could, you know, for some people, it, it's nice to kind of fall asleep. Matt has a beautiful voice. <laughs> you, it, it could help you fall asleep. I hope nobody's driving right now listening to this. <laughs> but, I mean, you know what, though? I think it is a testament to the fact that our tax code is so daggone complicated and complex that, yeah, it, it does turn into a snooze fest half the time. And we have to have podcasts where we drink beer and have fun and laugh a lot <laughs> to make it somewhat interesting so that people know the stinking rules because it is that important, um, you know, or else we, we become casualties to just, ah, whatever, it's too complicated and I'm not going to mess with it. And we leave money on the table and that's what we want to make sure we don't do. Right. So anybody who's listening to this episode and is again, like Scott said at the beginning, it's not legal. It's not official tax advice. Right. But these are questions to make you think like, oh wait, that could be me. That could be me and my kids. That could be me and my family. We're around those income thresholds. Um, we're close to that or we're just over that or just under that. I need to be careful. I need to be thinking about, oh, am I investing in my traditional um, retirement plan, traditional IRAs, 401ks, HSAs, um, you know, your whole Roth retirement plan strategy, Roth IRAs. We talk about that a lot on this podcast and we love the Roth IRA. This year, depending on where you are, it all depends. It might not be the best year to max out your Roth. Um, if you're close to those thresholds, I think it would be safe to say it might be one of those off years where it might make more sense to, hey, put those dollars first into making sure you're maxing out other uh, tax efficient vehicles, tax efficient in- investing vehicles that reduce your adjusted gross income to make sure you take advantage of these tax stimulus payments um, that are going to be trued up in April of 2022 for tax year 21. That was one thing I couldn't wrap my mind around was just like, I, I had legitimate, I have a, I'm, I'm like doing this podcast with Scott. I'm supposed to be knowing this stuff. And, and, you know, here Matt tells me on a family walk, he's like, nah, man, like the stimulus payments went out, but, um, you can still qualify and get trued up next year. And that was news to me. So I'm like, if it's news to me, I got to believe that there's other people out there who are, yeah, people don't know that they're they're confused. (laughs) And I'm like, I hadn't heard that anywhere on any of the podcasts I'm listening to. So to me, that was like eye-opening and awakening. And that's when I was like, man, we got to get men on the podcast, spread the word, get everybody thinking about their own situation early this year so they can plan accordingly. Yep. Yeah, planning's key and it's okay to feel confused. It's, it's very confusing. And the tax law has changed a lot recently with Trump. He made some big changes and then Biden, uh, this bill, and then there's a couple more down the pipeline that are coming with infrastructure and healthcare and some of these changes. And uh, there's 
projected to be some pretty significant tax changes. So it's, really? it's good to keep up on this um, later in the year. If I haven't put you all to sleep yet, maybe Lance and uh, Scott will have me back for a future, <laughs> I'm say, future time. I think Matt's, Matt's lobbying for his next spot. I'll tell you what, Matt, <laughs> friendly neighborhood tax guy, I'll tell you what, you, you are, I'm going to say it right here, you are coming back on the pod. I'll tell you that right now. And next time I'm providing the beer to Matt. And we're going to see if he can uh, stomach an IPA or something or, gonna say, or a stout. I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> All right, Lance. So I want to start, well, you know, this is the first guest on the pod. I want to start a little tradition here. I want to ask the same four it. questions to each listener that we have on the podcast. So Matt, first question is best recommendation for a book or a podcast for our listen listeners to learn more about taxes. There is a podcast called... Uh, weekly update on tax-related issues uh, by Ed Zollers. It's it's about as nerdy and boring as you could possibly get. It. But I if you're really it. looking for tax, uh, this guy he does a weekly update and he hits all of these. It's it's really he does it for um, CPAs, fellow CPAs, to learn all this stuff because it's. I am totally subscribing um, to this. It's really hard to learn all this stuff. Um, but he yeah. he does a really good job condensing it and trying to summarize it for you weekly of That's court cases, secret. laws. No, I know it. Uh, yes, That's you know totally you know what secret. secret. Uh, there's also a writer on Forbes called Tony Nitty, uh, and he does a great job in plain language explaining these bills. Um, so anybody yeah, can understand awesome. that's very helpful. That's awesome. All right. I want to know about your personal biggest financial mistake. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Uh, Probably, I, I talked to my wife about this before we came. Sorry, they they get they preloaded me with these questions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, away uh, all their secrets. The uh, the probably the biggest one, biggest two would be one was cashing out four hundred one k to use for a down payment on a house. Um, mm. I mean, we've done okay, we've done well with our house appreciation, but looking back at I what the S and P five hundred has returned over the last five and a half years versus what my house has uh, returned, uh, I really wish I had left that in the Roth. But oh well. <laughs> Man, that's a good word. That's good. That hey, uh, this is Roth or four. It was Roth, so I didn't pay any penalties on it. But right. uh, okay, yeah, it was Roth. So it wasn't a four hundred one k loan, but it was a Roth. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's then second one was, um, probably doesn't surprise you, but we are super cheap being a uh, CPA family. Um, so when we first got married, we lived in a dirt cheap apartment that was cockroach infested because I was too cheap to spend an extra 75 bucks a month. To, uh, <laughs> uh, we could have had a great place where we could have walked to class and work. And instead we had a 15 minute drive and cockroaches. So uh, <laughs> learning to spend some money has oh, been. Oh uh, <laughs> man, that's good. That is good. Snap. All right, Matt, what is your favorite intentional splurge? Doesn't sound like you have many, but let's hear, no, let's hear what you got. Definitely. Definitely have some uh, out to eat for sure. We do uh, on occasions and then uh, vacations. Uh, we love to save for vacations and take vacations. We've got two kids, so it's fun to do that with them. And then uh, we like to do that uh, with each other as well. So we've actually just booked our 10-year trip to Antigua uh, this year. So we're 10-year anniversary and we can't wait for first all-inclusive we've ever done. So 10 we're excited years of marriage. That. 10 years of marriage. Yep. Man, so, congrats. Thanks. That's going to be awesome. 
happy for y'all. All right, and la- last, let's let's find out what's your favorite craft beer. Oh, this is where Lance is making fun of me, but uh, I'm, oh I'm, man, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm I'm a lager pilsner uh, guy, but I do love Oktoberfest. Any any Oktoberfest nice. beer is my favorite. Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah, Sam yeah. Adams, uh, Sierra Nevada has a great Oktoberfest. Yes. Um, so any Oktoberfest is is what I like. That's all. I'm gonna have to try That's out this awesome. Sierra Nevada Oktoberfest. I have not tried that, but I do it's love. Good. I do love the Sam Adams. It I think it's fantastic. Sam Adams, very yeah. underrated. Great. Agreed. I agree. Boston Brewing Company. That it's solid. All right, Matt. Thanks so much for being with us, man. We we really appreciate it. Uh, you shared a lot of knowledge and wisdom and tax expertise with us that I know will be beneficial, not only for me and my family, but for our listeners as well. So thank you very much. And I am confident we're going to see you on some future episodes as our friendly neighborhood tax guy. So thank you. Um, We had the opportunity to ask Matt a lot of questions on this episode. Uh, But if you have any questions for us, or for that matter, for Matt, um, I would say maybe you should reach out to your own tax professional. But um, feel free to send in any of your questions to questions at dollarsandhops.com. That's an email address. It's at questions at dollarsandhops.com. But for now, we are going to go right into our hops showdown and the first ever triple hops showdown where we got three beers on the pedestals tonight getting the the microscopes out, you know, we're going deep on these things and we're pitting them against each other. I don't know who's going to come out on top. It's, you know, tension's building. It's going to happen. Who's going to go first, Scott? What do you, what do you think? I'm going to go first. I'm going to get mine out of the way because yeah, I was drinking a Pilsner and I, as much as I like a Pilsner, it's, it's just not, you know, it's not me. And I needed to drink a Pilsner because this was the tax episode. I needed to stay sober, be able to, <laughs> understand what was happening uh so this this was good i don't get me wrong it was it was great easy to drink summer beer i could definitely have a few of these very easily it's definitely a light beer there's no question uh but it has a a bit more of a flavor profile than like a miller light or a coors light much much better than that don't get me wrong um and i can definitely taste some hints of of some citrus and some lemons so um i would give it it's going to be a low score. It's a Pilsner. Um, I- I'm going to go with a 74. Yeah, that's good. That might be one of our first 70s, Scott, and I'm, I'm proud of you for that. That's good. We, I was getting some feedback recently from some uh, some friends. Like, man, you guys always rate the, rate the hops like between like 80s and 90s, man. And that's exactly how they sounded, too. And it was just, it sounded just <laughs> like that. And I was like, man, get out of here. But then I was like, yeah, they're probably right. So, uh well done, Scott. Matt, what do you... Lance, how about your beer? Oh, yeah, I'll go. That's right, I'll go. We'll, we'll let Matt take the thing. All right, so this beer is from Matt. Matt, thank you for bringing this over. Uh, we appreciate it, man. So this is Revelry Brewing uh, up Shem Creek. And just, uh, man, it was very surprising because I'm looking here on the can and it says this lager was made with long afternoons on the docks in mind, a classic dry Pilsner-style lager is dry hopped with loads of citra hops to provide a beautifully crisp and aromatic beer uh, that'll keep you cool and quenched. And I would agree. It actually was. Um, I was expecting more of a lager, and it it was 
it was like an IPA with like not quite the bite of the hops, but the flavor of the hops were still there. Um, honestly, one of the best lagers I've had. And usually I kind of steer clear of lagers because the finish and it kind of makes me, it's like a, usually like a multi finish. And I'm just like, I've, I feel like I've graduated past that into more like bitter hops, but this was good, man. So I'm going to go ahead and give it probably the highest rating I could give a lager um, because it was just so such like an IPA, but probably an 86. All right. I love it. So that was the up Shem Creek from Revelry Brewing. All right, Matt, you are going to determine who the hop showdown winner is. How was your beer? Uh, it was, it was delicious. Um, and once again, I was drinking the Marsh Hen cream ale also from Revelry Brewing. Uh, shout out to those guys. They're great. Um, I, it, this is also a lighter beer, uh, great for summertime. Um, uh, I would give this probably an 85. So we'll give, uh, you know, the, the, the guest can't win the, the beer showdown on the first episode. So we'll, uh, we'll give it the Lance, but, oh man, I don't know if I agree with that. Love it. All right. So, so Lance takes this hop showdown. I feel like Matt could have had it, but uh, that's all right. If he laid it down, he sandbagged it. He sure did. All right. We're going to leave everyone with our action step. Have you taken a look at your personal tax situation? Could you be reducing your modified adjusted gross income as we talked about on this episode as to why it is so important to do so? Lowering your tax bill by contributing to a traditional 401k, maxing out your HSA, or contributing to a traditional IRA could be a move you need to make to maximize your financial future. This is Lance. This is Scott. Live and give on less than you make and invest the difference. Dollars and hops out. You have been listening to the Dollars and Hops podcast. Optimizing your financial future starts with taking action today. Got a question? Shoot us an email at questions at dollarsandhops.com and the guys will tackle it on a future episode. Visit our website, dollarsandhops.com for show notes and the craft brew lineup for each episode. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thanks for listening.